Welcome, my lords, to the White City, where you will learn more about Middle-earth and discover differences and similarities between the Rings of Power show and Tolkien's books, and whether Amazon's show, episode by episode, is worth watching. I'm Philip Dutt, your host, and I'll be joined by Matt Vandevoort and Mark Schaefer. I hope you enjoy. Uh, hello, everyone, who is tuning into our our episode and um, something that we kind of like would like to touch on that is a lot really similar to kind of the reason for this podcast and the worldview and the themes that um, we've been talking about a lot is how um, there are a lot of Christian themes, not just Christian themes. I mean, there are also other things that influence Tolkien's writings, but um, I think for Christians, it's uh, there are a lot of things that they can easily pull out and say, "Oh, like look at these things that, are, that Tolkien's like trying to emphasize or trying to show people um, throughout the works." And um, I guess would people who aren't Christians be so inclined to say, "Like, oh yeah, that's important. That's what he's trying to get across to us," or would they say, "No, this is just..." based off of mythology, so there's really no no reason to be taking that um, that direction to things. Um, and I guess, you know, for instance, we can talk about how they're like Christ figures, such as, like, Gandalf, for instance. You know, not that we're actually trying to draw an allegory here between Gandalf and Christ, but um, the kind of idea that he kind of um, is this, you know, Puts down, lays down his life for his friends, and then you know actually returns, and then uh, kind of redeems them in a real sense. Um, but uh, Mark, you have any uh, other uh, things that stick out about that um, that you think maybe um, people who aren't Christians wouldn't necessarily. Uh, look at it the same way in the books or whatever yeah I think it's really interesting whenever we talk about uh, the way Christian themes work in Tolkien's Tolkien's world I always think of uh, the inter-arts festival for uh, Christians in the arts um, that was led by Redeemer Presbyterian in uh, New York City and that's like Timothy Pastor Timothy Keller's church the late Pastor Timothy Keller you know, he was a big fan of Tolkien. If you guys ever listen to any of his sermons or read any of his books, he'll always like include one Tolkien reference or two. Um, but he talked about how, like, as an art, a Christian artist, you can do two like two things: you can either like point people to Jesus, or you can put on like a Christian worldview, like glasses, and look at the world around you, and then like show them that like worldview. Um, and Tolkien usually does the second thing, where he like he sort of shows you the world as he sees it. Um, and that's the thing that's really interesting if you approach this, like, Middle Earth this way. Like, Tolkien isn't really trying to tell an allegory. Like, he's not trying to tell C.S. Lewis's, you know, Aslan story. He's trying to, like, he's just saying, like, hey, this is the way the world works. And I think what's really interesting in that is, like, um, Tolkien doesn't see, he's not, like, trying to make Gandalf necessarily a Christ figure. He just, like, sees the, like, this is the way the world works. Like, this is the way good works, like good sacrifices itself for its friends. And like, he doesn't see death as the end. Right. And so like, that's sort of the way he sees the world. So I don't think 
like it is a Christ analogy, but he's not actually like trying to like. It's not almost an intentional one. I think that's a, the case with a lot of Christian themes is that they're actually unintentional or, or not even. He's just not trying to like indoctrinate people. He's just like this is the way the world works, and you know, if good triumphs over evil, that's because it really does triumph over evil. Um, so I think it's really interesting that like a non-Christian might see that as like, oh, like there, this isn't a Christ analogy. There's lots of differences between you know Christ and every other figure we might pull out, um, and like it's sort of just just a general way. So I don't think any non-Christian has to like, oh wow, there's like. Um, there's like a head-on collision necessarily between the worldview, which I think is actually really interesting and really powerful that, you know, maybe it can subtly influence people to see things in a different light. But yeah, I don't think any, like, I think a non-Christian would be correct if they were like, hey, this is not like exactly a Christ figure and just because I like Lord of the Rings doesn't mean that I have to, you know, somehow sacrifice my Satan-worshipping beliefs or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I think that that's one big thing with Tolkien is that, like, he was adamant that the Lord of the Rings was not an allegory. Um, so, like, uh, the big contrast between Tolkien and Lewis um, is that, uh, you know, I saw something the other day where it's like <laughs> Tolkien being like, if one more person says that this is an allegory, I'm going to be really mad. And then Lewis is like, if one more person doesn't get that. Aslan is Jesus. I'm going to be really mad. So, like, you have that contrast between the two different ways of telling the story, like you were saying about um, whereas Lewis definitely takes the pointing people to Christ with his stories uh, direction. Tolkien was drawing on Christianity and saw the world through a Christian worldview, but at the same time he was building his own story and building a world that was drawing from you know uh, early British and Scandinavian and Germanic um, stories to build his world alongside the uh, Christian and Judeo-Christian stories and tropes and themes yeah, it's really interesting. Is I remember, um, it was like a there was a Facebook group that was posting about a lot of different things, um, but one guy I don't I don't know if the guy is a Christian or not, um, but he read a book on Tolkien and he said that he realized that there were a lot of themes, Christian themes, um, that were coming out in there and. Maybe it's looking a little more closely than you than you'd think to find that. Um, but I thought that was kind of interesting that you know and there wasn't anybody saying, "Oh no, there's no way." Um, so, but yeah, yeah, I think that's an important way to talk about it is through themes rather than allegory. So, like, you can even see you know themes of self-sacrifice and taking things on yourself for the good of the world in like Frodo carrying the burden of the ring um which kind of can be compared to Christ taking the burden of sin on himself and then of course there's the most obvious one is Gandalf coming back from the dead and you know coming to give guidance in the time of need and like you said sort of 
saving and redeeming the people <laughs> that he's coming back to. Um, but none of them are directly allegorical in the way that Lewis, in the way that Aslan is directly allegorical. It's all themes. It's all sort of subtle reflections of the worldview that arises from a Christian upbringing and a Christian understanding of the world rather than a direct picture of the Christian message. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, too, because I think um, there's a sense of, like, where Tolkien doesn't even necessarily probably even see those themes as, like, Christian. He just sees them as true. Um, In the same way that, like, if you were to write a story where, like, murder was, like, the right thing to do or something, right? Like, where everyone thought that the right, morally right thing to do is murder. That would be, like, a terrible story because it's, like, not only it's, like, obviously whenever you're creating a new world, you want to, like, write things that are new and different, but, like, some things are actually just so fundamental to like our world that we can't understand any world without them um i think that's like why like a lot of those themes that come through like how sacrifice sacrifice for the greater good is always like a good thing and stuff but a lot of those themes i think come through as not just like trying to input christian themes like explicitly but like oh these are just like the fundamental truths of our universe that we can't understand any universe without them um such as like good in the winning in the end i will also say if you read tolkien's books they come across a little bit more with Christian themes than the movies do. I think especially of um, oh, yeah. after Frodo destroys the ring, there's this very much this like almost wedding-like celebration that like Aragorn has for him as like the returning hero that is like very reminiscent of the end of Revelation, um, which is like probably one of the ones that like came across most to me as like a direct reference to the Bible even more so than maybe even like Gandalf resurrecting or the parts on temptation. So, mm. yeah. And that's obviously like there's, you get slightly of it with, you know, him reuniting with the fellowship, but it's very like different in the book and, and much more of this, like almost over the top a- a- aspect of, you know, like how different heralds are coming in and, you know, there's a massive banquet prepared for him. So what's really cool too, um, is that not with just themes, but, you know, uh, I guess, well, just with themes here, like, um, one thing I think is that with Tolkien's works, you have to think a little more and dig a little deeper than, you know, just reading, I guess. Uh, sometimes you get to get a lot of out, a lot out of it. Um, I know there are, I mean, other fantasy books I've read, which are actually more kids' books, um, I've never read, like, newer fantasy books for, like, adults, really, but, um, I know in those books it's always just a general, like, oh, interesting story that keeps you captivated, uh, and that's, uh, you know, always a little more, a little more shallow, usually, than, uh, Tolkien's writings, but, again, like, most of those books were made for kids or at least teenagers. To be completely fair, I think you can, if you engage with The Lord of the Rings, maybe not The Silmarillion, because the kind of person that would engage this way wouldn't necessarily read The Silmarillion, but The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit especially, if you engage with them on that level, it's still worth reading. Like, it's still, if you just take it as literature... Um, and you're not digging for themes. You're just taking it as something to read. 
it's still worthwhile because it's such good literature and it has informed so much of fantasy um, that has come after it that it's one of those books where it's like you can read it just to read a good story and you can read it to get an insight on the author's ideas about the world and about reality and both of those i i think especially since you know we're on a a podcast about tolkien our whole thing here is to dig deep into it i think it's important to to call out that like it's totally legitimate to just read it just to be a good fantasy novel hopefully you'll get more out of it but like that was sort of on the base level especially the Lord of the Rings, it was written as a product in a lot of ways. Like, Tolkien didn't want to write it at first because he his publishers were like, write a sequel to The Hobbit. And it took him, I can't remember how many years, but it took him years and years to actually uh, get to the writing of The Lord of the Rings. And, of course, when he did it, he wrote an adult fantasy novel rather than a children's book, but which is fairly unorthodox and something that I can only really see Tolkien doing. But um, it it is, it is worthwhile to remember that, like, it is, on some levels, it is also just a really good book to read. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I, I was gonna add like a couple things. Like I don't like it's actually really easy to write a story that's like has a lot of deeper themes that's not good, right? Like so yeah. the best thing you can say about anything is that it's a good story. I think good stories will naturally include some themes, right? Like if you think of any even very simple stories will usually have some moral to them. Um but that's actually like I don't know, it's it's very interesting, but like Right, if it was just an amoral story, uh, it wouldn't be very good. And a lot of the stories that claim to be like amoral or tell you that like nothing really matters or whatever actually do have a point to them very much. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that's like not like the base level or there's like the highest level is like wow, this is an amazing story, right? Like you don't have to like break it down bit by bit and like get like mind the deepest parts of it to like just really enjoy it and take away a lot from it, right? Um, the other thing I was gonna say is that like I think that. I just wanted to say a word in defense of modern fantasy that like there are a lot of great adult modern fantasy that are really deep and do struggle with the deepest questions of life and try to put some bigger themes. Uh, Brandon Sanderson's work does that all the time as well as like Robert Jordan's wheel of time. Uh, there are others. Those are just the ones I've been reading lately, but yeah. yeah. So there are good fantasy works that are very yeah. much in the vein of Tolkien, even if he is the, the best of the best rewinding a little bit it does kind of go back to the the old joke about like the, the english teacher putting more thought into the literature than the author did um like i think that a lot of the themes and sort of minute details that we're pulling out because you can find a million themes in something as complex as the lord of the rings but i don't think tolkien was sitting down to write a you know, a book that explores all these themes and has all these deep meanings and reflects his worldview in all these ways. Because, again, he explicitly said he didn't want people to think of it as an allegory. 
But I think when he sat down to write, he sat down to write of of an epic fantasy story. Um, and I'm sure he put some thought into the themes because it's hard to write something like that without following like some sort of themes. But I also don't think that that illegitimizes the efforts to pull deeper themes out of it. I think that you know, going back to the joke, it's like, yeah, I think the English teacher does put more thought into the book than the author does, but I don't think that invalidates the effort they're putting into it. I think that there's a lot of work to be done. I'm a strong believer in, like, once the art has been created, it does, to a certain extent, leave the author's hands, and so there are things that they put into it that they didn't even realize. So... I think that it's it's very worthwhile to to look for these sorts of themes, even if you just think that it's just an epic fantasy book and you don't think you put a lot of thought into it in terms of like the deeper philosophical aspects, which personally I think you did. But well, yeah, I guess I think maybe the point I'm trying to make is that almost every writer, like writing piece of writing advice I've been given about like and looked at online stuff has been like. Don't ever start being like, hey, I want to write a book that's like going to bring people to Jesus, but I'm going to make it a fantasy story, right? Yeah. You'll end up writing like a very obvious, like, um, biased or something like that, right? Like, you, you want to be like, I want to tell a good story. And, like, then, like, if you're writing from a Christian worldview, then that stuff will naturally sort of slip into it, right? Yeah. But I think this is something that, I mean, I could criticize a lot of books that I think are read pretty widely today. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of uh, We Are Not Like Them, but there's been a lot of books that have, like, a pretty clear political message behind them, and it's pretty clear that, like, they started out wanting to, like, make a political point and then, like, tried to sneak in a good story, and it didn't work, right? Like, it it ends up being like, hey, if you agree with their political message, then you'll like this story. If you don't, then you won't like this story, and that's, like, pretty much it, right? Like, um, but yeah, I think that's, like, sort of the really important part is writing a good story and then the philosophical like the deep themes come in later um or as a very natural part of writing the good story rather than like as the intention or the the sort of the more difficult part but yeah yeah also the thing about the how much how much does an author have a say in the work that's a whole can of worms oh yeah no i i think it's a very controversial um topic but i i do think that to a certain extent once a work is out and has been published if you try to be too protective of it it never ends well um. oh no yeah i think i guess like to me there's like this deeper sense of like um this is like has a deeper question of like does art have any objectivity to it and stuff like that um but like yeah whenever you find a good book you feel like you found a good book you didn't feel like you created a good book by understanding it or reading it or something yeah. like that right I think that's a really important thing is that like, hey, like sure, like an author might have written a long time ago, but like I don't feel like I'm the one making this experience despite the fact that like, you know, I'm just reading words in a page. It's really yeah. crafted by somebody else and that's like I don't know. So that's I think why I think that, you know, art is somewhat objective because it's something we find and not something we create by consuming it. So but yeah. It's a big can of worms. There's like a really famous article by like some french philosophers like the author is dead right like literally the author has no impact or say whatever on his work after he writes it um and i disagree pretty strongly with that view 
Thanks for visiting the White City. Before you leave, please subscribe to our podcast and check us out at thewhitecitypodcast.com. Consider supporting my movement on Facebook, keeping the rings of power pure.